Hey, so last week we did this uh, sermon um, on, called See the Good. And, uh, and, and honestly, it was supposed to be a one-weeker. There was just so much there. We made it a, a two-weeker. And so today we're going to finish up. And just by way of review, we started in Exodus chapter 15. We talked about the people of Israel as they were griping uh, about God. But just before that, he had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He had allowed them to cross the Red Sea on dry ground and, and vanquish the Egyptian army. And they're just rejoicing and celebrating in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. They go three days into the desert, and the Bible says in verse 24, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? What are we supposed to drink here? So there's this overall negative attitude um, from the people of Israel, forgetting what God had just done in the, in, the, in the most recent future. No, that's not right. In the most recent past. We do that too. That's the thing. Like we are, we are people, and because we are people, we tend to forget all the good that God has done. We tend to, to not see the good. And so as a reminder from what we covered last week, we tend to forget the good and remember the bad. That's our human nature. Not only that, we let present problems erase past blessings. Like God has been incredibly good to you. You may be going through a tough time right now or, or that person may have offended you or things aren't good. But when you look at the big picture and you see all that God has done, he has been incredibly good. Don't allow the present problems to erase those past blessings. And then we also learn that we let our expectations rob us of the good in our lives. And we place expectations on our life and on other people and on God. And that's not always fair because if other people don't measure up to your expectations, then you're disappointed. And now we don't see the good that was there because you, that wasn't good enough because your expectation was higher. So I guess I'm saying you should lower your expectations. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's not, that's not a bad idea, right? So, so I think that we just have gotten used to expecting a lot. And as believers, the problem is that when we don't see the good, it changes our attitude. And our attitudes don't reflect God's goodness that is already there. Are you the complainer at work? Please don't be. If you are, don't tell them you're a believer. Right? We're supposed to be exemplifying the goodness of God. We learned last week that the joy of the Lord is my We learned in John 15, right? It said this. He said, he said these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. That's why Jesus came. Nehemiah 8.10 said this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That ought to be a characteristic. And I know plenty of grumpy Christians. I know a lot of mean believers. I know way too many than there ought to be. And so I'm saying like, like our attitudes convey to other people the type of God that we say we serve. How many times have you heard it said, like, I don't really have a problem with Christ. I have a problem with Christ's followers. Because we're not doing a very good job reflecting who he is in this world. And if we are to be representatives of his kingdom here on earth, then, you know, Jesus prayed, and we pray often, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
How's that working out for you? How, how heavenly does your life feel? That's a lot on you and how you react to it and what you're doing with it. We said last week that there's a big difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. The joy of the Lord is a thermostat. It controls the conditions in a room. A thermometer just reads it and reacts accordingly. As the joy of the Lord is in our life and in our heart, that's the thermostat that should control our interactions with other people and our attitude about the life that we are living. And here's what we do all the time, right? If we're unhappy, we find somebody else that's to blame. And we don't realize that more often than not, we play a role in that as well. But it's just easier to blame them than to fix my problem or your problem. We want our attitudes to reflect the goodness of God. So, so that's the review from, from last week. So, so how can we do this? How can we get attitudes that reflect the goodness of God? How can we see the good more effectively? I'm going to give you three things here that we can do as believers that should make a difference in how we see the good that God is doing. The first thing is be intentional to see the good God has done. And is doing in your life and in your family and in your church. The truth of the matter is what we focus on grows. What we focus on grows. And if you always focus on the things that you can't change or that you wish were different, then that's going to become all that you see. It's going to become a bigger part of your life and your attitude. But when you focus on the goodnesses of God in your life, then that becomes a bigger thing in your life. Be intentional. Dwelling on the goodness of God is encouraging. It's joy-filled. It changes our attitude. I love this. In Psalm 9, verse 1, it said this, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. And then he said this, I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. That word recount literally means to make a list to count them up. That takes a little bit of time. Like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit put out here. I don't think things are favorable. I don't think that was fair. I don't think, so, so I'm not seeing the goodness of God. David says here in Psalms, he said, I recounted all of your wonderful deeds. I sat down and counted all of the goodnesses that you have done for me. What a, what a changer. Of attitude. One of the best ways to extinguish negativity in our life is to count blessings, to see what God has done. Thankfulness is a great antidote for discouragement, for depression, for division, for disunity. And in spite of our trials, we can still rejoice because that joy is the thermostat. J.I. Packer said this He said, Joy is not an accident of temperament or an unpredictable providence, he said joy is a matter of choice. So here's a few thoughts under this point of being intentional to see the goodness of God. Here's a few things that maybe can help you do that. The first thing is this, that that I think we should pause long enough to stop our mouth and to change our heart. And I know that seems a little unkind, That's not my intention, but the focus here is the word pause. I think that if we would pause in life, 
we would save ourselves a lot of heartache, if we would pause before we say, if we would pause before we do, that is a big step in the right direction. If we would just pause for a moment, what I'm saying is if we would pause long enough to stop our mouth and change our heart and ask God to help us to see this the way that he wants us to see this or see them the way God wants us. Because here's the thing, you are probably right in this situation. But you being right doesn't mean you get to hurt somebody else. You being right doesn't mean that that person who's on the other end of this is not more important to God than you being right about whatever you think you're right about. Because your being right does not mean much when they are being hurt. I just feel like it's a wise thing to do, to get God's opinion on a matter or a situation or a person before my mouth is in motion. My mom used to say that to me all the time. Like, she, not that statement. She would say, Eric, make sure your brain is in gear before your mouth is in motion. My mom was really clever like that. But the key word here is the word pause. So how can I be more intentional to see the goodness of God? Pause long enough to stop your mouth and see how good God is. Psalm 77, verses 11 and 12 says this, I will remember the works of the Lord. That takes a little time. Let me sit down and remember that. Okay, I'm going I'm to remember this. For, okay, all right, that means I, gotta, I need to go back. Okay, remember that time? Yeah, so that takes some time. All right, so we hit the pause button. We're going to remember the works of the Lord. I will remember thy meditate also of all thy work. And then check out the last thing he says, I will talk of thy doings. He remembered, and then he remembered something else, and then he meditated on it for a while, and then he talked about what? The goodness of God, the doings of God. Do you see what happened here? Like he paused long enough. Later in the Psalms, he said, God, I want you to put a watch on my mouth. I want you to put a door on my lips. I don't want to say nothing I'm not supposed to say. We need to memorize that verse. What a difference it would make if we would, spend an, as, if we would spend as much time praying about a matter as we do talking about it. Holy cow, why did I say that? Like, that's hard. Like, how much talking have you done about that person to somebody else who doesn't need to know it, but it's because you're frustrated about the, circ- the circumstance of the situation, And we spend all this time trying to get them to agree with us about how horrible they are. And we haven't spent any time asking God what our role is in this situation. How can I? Okay, so so they are God's child too, right? Oh, well, if they're God's child, that means maybe God is trying to do a work in their heart. And how is your complaining about them helping them become who God wants them to be? You're like, Eric, it's not about them. It's about me. I know. I know. That's the problem. We have to pause long enough to close our mouth, spend some time with the Lord, allow him to change our heart so we see things the way he sees them. And here's the thing. 
Maybe God wants you to be the one who learns something here. I read this a couple of months ago. Like when we say the phrase, I just don't understand them. Think about what you're saying. You're the one who needs to learn then. Right? I just don't understand how they can be that. Well, then you need to find out. You're the one that needs to learn because you're the one who doesn't understand. Maybe God wants you to learn something in this situation. Maybe God doesn't need us to say anything. Maybe God is wanting to work without using our words. So spend some time with the Lord. Let him do a work in your heart before you do potential damage with your words. So, so all right, Eric, how, do I, how can I be more intentional to see the good God has done? First of all, pause long enough to stop your mouth and change your heart. Second, I would, I would ask you this. Be honest with yourself about yourself. Because seriously, you know you, right? You know you better than we know you, and we already know enough. Right? You know you, and you know your faults that you cover really well because you are maybe more socially acceptable. But you still know you, you got stuff. We all got stuff. You know you, and there's, there's a pretty good chance that you have enough about yourself to complain about. Like if we were gonna be fair, and if you felt so inclined as to come up with a list of things about you that you should complain about, like other people would, there is plenty about you that you can complain about. I don't know if that made any sense to you. It made sense when I wrote it down earlier this week. But, but there's enough about you that you know about that other people don't know about that they could complain about, about you. So there's enough that you could complain about you without having to complain about other people. And I'm going to stop right there. Because I'm starting to lose myself in that conversation. I would also say this, that you create a lot of your own problems. It's your inability to communicate well or your lack of people skills or your expectation of, you are creating a lot of your own problems. Let's just admit that. I mean, we go around acting like we ain't got no problems. Everybody else is the problem. And if we want to shut our mouth long enough to let God do a work in our heart, then let's at least admit the fact that We've got to be honest about ourselves because we all got stuff that ain't all that. That's enough to complain about. And that we probably have contributed to the problem a little bit. And here's the thing. Like, like even if you're only 20% of the problem, God forbid you work on your own part of your 20%. We have to make sure that everybody else fixes their crap before we start working on our own. Be honest with yourself about yourself. And stop pretending you're as perfect as your complaining makes you sound. That's a big statement. Stop pretending you're as perfect as your complaining makes you sound. God honors humility. God blesses the broken heart. Man, that's our goal, right? Our goal is to be humble before our maker. It's to see ourselves for who we are and be thankful for all that he has done. Let's be intentional about seeing the good 
that God has done. First of all, by pausing long enough, right? And then by being honest with yourself about yourself. And then I love this, lead with gratitude. Lead with gratitude. Start every conversation with thanksgiving. If you're being challenged right now in a situation, if you're being challenged right now in a relationship, I would encourage you to lead with gratitude. See the good. Make a list. Thanksgiving makes such a difference. Expressing gratitude is a great way to see the good God has done. I mean, a little gratitude would have sure changed the storyline of the Israelites in the wilderness. If they had just expressed the gratitude for all that God had done instead of complaining what they didn't see God doing. So, yeah, first thing, be intentional to see the good God has done. Can I give you another little tip here about seeing the good? Number two, communicate all the good God has done. Communicate all the good God has done. Our default as humans is to point out the negative, to let everyone know what we don't agree with or what we think should change. And there's plenty out there, right? There is plenty of things happening politically. There are plenty of things happening, happening socially. There's all these things in our lives that we disagree with. And, and, and God bless social media. It creates so much anxiety for me. It does. Like, I, I just, I, I can't even hardly comment on anything anymore. I unfollow so many people. <laughs> I just can't, I can't handle all of, the, all of the, the, the opinions. Like everybody has some kind of a meme or a bumper sticker about what they believe in. And it doesn't really help anybody. All it does is just confirm what they already believe. And the only people who agree with them are who, that, that, that affects are the people who agree with them already. It's not really helping a whole lot. And you might feel better because you get it off your chest, but, but, but pointing out all of the negativity is just not helping. But that's our default. Could I just encourage us to give words that are life-giving, grace-filled, like whatever, whatever flows out, whatever comes out, there's, there's a way to correct somebody that breathes life into them. Did you know that? You don't have to make them feel like an idiot. You can, you can correct behavior in such a way that they know how much you care about them and now they appreciate what you are trying to do in them and that just breathes life into them. So it's not a matter of whether you're right or whether you're wrong or whether they are perfect and you're not. It's not. You can, you can say words that are life-giving to people. That's, that's who we are called to be in this world. That's, that's what we have. That's the, life, that's the abundant life that God has given to us as believers. Our words should be life-giving. Correction can be life-giving. Complaining rarely is. People are important. They're important to God. And we should use our words very carefully to breathe life into them. You might even be right. That could be a pretty big assumption based on some of the people in this room. 
But let's just assume that you are right, right? Talking about what needs to change rarely makes a difference. Again, let's look at the Israelites. The psalmist said this in 106, referring back to Exodus, where they were being freed and walking around the wilderness, all that kind of stuff. He said this in verses 24 and 25. Yea, they despised the pleasant land. That's where God was taking them, the promised land. They despised the present land. Look at this. They believed not his word. But check it out. But murmured in their tents. Murmured in their tents. And that says this, and hearken not unto the voice of the Lord. They might not have said everything out there, right? But when they went in their tents, they're complaining about Moses. They're griping about God. They murmured in their tents, like as though God didn't hear that. As though God didn't hear, doesn't hear you when you're in the house, right? Even though your car is soundproof, God still hears it in there too, right? They're acting like, well, that's just, I'll tell you later, Right? And they're in their tents murmuring about, about God and about what's happening in their life. And they despised where God was taking them. They had, their, their, their heart had grown cold. And here's one thing that I'm observing. While they were murmuring in their tents, they couldn't even hear what God was trying to tell them. Ouch. You mean like while I'm busy complaining, I'm not listening to what God wants me? That seems likely, Right? Or if they did hear it, they weren't in a position or a hard attitude to respond to it positively. Speaking negative may be an attempt to point out something that needs to be improved or changed, but it just rarely helps. I would say this, that speaking good of God's goodness benefits you and them. Psalm 77, 12 says this, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of all thy doings. That's what we read earlier. Just sharing the goodness of God encourages somebody else. Man, check it out. Let me, let me tell you what God has done. As soon as you start with something like that and you share what God has done, it puts something inside the other person. Not only does it change the, the whole temperature of that room, they want to see the goodness of God too. And now God is glorified because of your conversation. Let me tell you right now, I don't know who that person thinks they are. But the last time they did, well, what is that doing? How is that glorifying God? How is that life-giving? See the goodness. See the good. And finally, number three, do something to make a difference. Do something to make a difference. Can I just say this? And I know it's going to sound harsh. I just want to, I want to say, if you only care enough to talk about it, you don't care very much. Man, I hope you hear that. If you find yourself just talking about a problem or a person, but you're not doing anything to improve the situation, you don't really care very much. You only care enough to talk about it. If you only care enough to talk about it, you don't care very much because love does more than talk. The word for love that we see in the New Testament most of the time is the word agape. Agape is an action verb. 
It is, it is something that you do, not something you say. I don't, I don't know who originally came up with this statement. I heard Rick Warren quote it. But it goes something like this. The more helpful people are, the happier they are. Ooh, isn't that the truth? The doers are the happy people. That's, that's what I hear, right? The more helpful people are, the happier they are. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and it's called the book of joy because there's just so much joy in the book of Philippians. And he says in verse 4 of chapter 1, he said, Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Now, all of the references today are in the New King James, but I thought this was really an interesting comparison. If you go to the message, here's what that verse says. It says, forget about yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Isn't that a great verse? Forget about yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Now listen, you're important to God. I get that. And so when I say something like, like you're not too good to serve, it's not because I don't, I'm not trying to minimize who you are in God's eyes. I'm just saying that, that if, if, if we're going to see the good, and that's what we're trying to do here, we want to see the good, my suggestion is that you do something to make a difference. I know your spouse isn't perfect, but what are you doing to try to make a difference in their life? Uh, for good. For good. What, okay, so I know your kids aren't, aren't turning out the way you thought. Or what are you doing to make a difference? I know this church isn't perfect. God's doing some wonderful things. But we're just a bunch of people trying to figure out what God wants to do. And so there's some things that we're not perfect. What I love is when someone says, how can I help? Not do you want my opinion. Heck no. And that's not what I wanted to say. I don't mind your opinion if you're willing to jump in and help, right? And too often, too often we just become inspectors while we're spectating. I'm saying let's do something that will make a difference. How much that would change the temperature in the room. Forget about yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. We don't live in a perfect world. We aren't perfect either. It's easy to see the imperfections in other people and in this world and allow that to become our focus when there is so much good that God is doing. When was the last time you complimented somebody? When you saw the good in them or what they were trying to do? When was the last time you used your mouth to encourage somebody or thank them or praise what they are doing? You know how valuable that is to people? Man, I'm proud of you. What a, man, great job. Man, thank you for your effort. So good. Thank you. Man, I can see, I can see God working in your life. Man, you make me proud. Words like that are life-giving. It's so easy to slip into the negative and never see what God is doing in the lives of people. 
God has given you a world to live in. We all have about 10 to 15 people in our life that God has placed there on purpose. They are your world. They might be family. They might be friends. They might be coworkers. And you have the opportunity to influence them in your kingdom of God. And your attitude about the goodness of God and the goodness in your life has a huge impact on other people. And how you use your words affects people greatly. We have a brand new year, a clean slate. Don't take the negativity from last year into this year. I'm not asking you to let go of it. I'm asking you to give it to God. Whatever it is, whatever you're struggling with, can you give it to him? That's the God of the universe. And he'll know what to do with it. He knows how to handle that situation, that individual. And he is probably more adept at creating solutions than you are. He is good. He's all good. And can we allow his goodness to give us reasons enough to be joy-filled and have that affect the lives that we live Can we see the good on purpose? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And I truly believe that the folks in this room and the folks who are watching, I I truly believe that they want what's best. And I believe you do as well. And help us to trust you as our Father. Help us to see the goodness that you have breathed into our life and the circumstances that you placed us in are for our good. Help us to use our words as life givers. Help us to be who you want us to be and focus on becoming a better version of who you want us to be, more like like Jesus in the world that you have given us to affect, the world that we live in. Father, thank you for being such a good God. Thank you what you're doing in the hearts and lives of people. It's so exciting to see. And thank you for just loving us. You've done so much to win us back to yourself. In all of our faults and failures, you consistently love us well. And I pray, Father, you would help us to respond accordingly to other people and see ourselves the way you see us and see others the way you see them and help us to be shining examples of you in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.